You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Web Podcast. I am your host, Rob Osell. I'm a senior software engineer at this.labs. Today, we are going to be talking about mentorship, and we have with us Ray Jeshwaldo, who is a, a staff UI engineer at SalesLoft. Ray, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Really excited to be here. Great. So we are talking about one of my favorite topics, which is mentorship. And I have heard uh, through the grapevine and through your website that it is one of your favorite topics as well. Um, and so just to get us started and just to introduce everybody, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your mentorship journey is? Like, have you been a mentor? Have you had a mentor? You know, you know, why is mentorship such a passion project for you? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so my, my journey in kind of web development is a little uh, non-traditional. And, uh, but as I talk to people in the community, uh, I find plenty of people went this route too. I don't have any formal education in computer science. I didn't attend any boot camps. Over time, uh, I kind of I'll use the term self-taught for the moment. We'll break that down in a little bit, um, but kind of self-taught or self-directed learning and uh, got a shot at a startup and, and got an opportunity to kind of enter the industry and then uh, loved it ever since. Right. Um, but during that process, I, I realized the, the value of all the different resources that were made available to me. Right. Um, I couldn't have made it where I am today on my own. I couldn't have come up with a, programming language on my own or, or any of these sorts of things. So as I went through that process, I realized uh, how much I depended on other people. Now, for my journey personally, I never had any specific mentors. Um, I was quote unquote mentored by the community at large, right? Through different blog posts and articles and, and uh, online tutorials, things of that nature. Uh, so it's really, it's really uh, a passion of mine to say, okay, if that's how I learned and that's how I experienced coming into this community, how can I provide that to others as well? Now, one thing that I do recognize is I, I think I would have benefited much more from having kind of an official mentor, even an unofficial mentor, someone I could have gone to, to ask questions and uh, you know, to, pick, to pick their brain. Uh, someone to tell me I'm not crazy when I'm struggling through a problem, right? And uh, so being able to have that person, I know would have helped me. And so as, I, as I'm further along in my development career, I find it helpful to, to try to find others who aren't as far along as I am and try to bring them along. So I have had some unofficial mentor relationship, mentor-mentee relationship in the past. Um, I had about a year where I had a very formalized mentor-mentee relationship and, and he was uh, doing a, a very similar path that, that I was taking where he was getting into the industry, didn't have any formal education, had kind of got it started on the web design side and was wanting to get more into uh, development. And so we met for a year and, and walked him through. We did everything from talking through what it's like to work at, at a company and, and because he was, he was at a kind of a small consulting firm, what it's like to work at a larger company to Hey, I have a question about library X. Can we walk through it together and, and, and walk me through the process? Um, so that relationship that he, he got to a point where um, he was, he was comfortable uh, moving on. And so we, we ended that relationship. We're still in touch and, and I still love seeing his progress. Um, and now I find myself doing more kind of informal mentorship at uh, my job. So the companies that I've worked at historically were all fairly small organizations. So now I'm, I'm at an organization, we're still not big, but we've got enough people in the engineering org uh, where I can have kind of impromptu discussions and walk people through not just how to do something, but why we're doing it and, and help people start thinking through that. And we've also had, uh, interestingly at SalesLoft, we've had this influx of people outside the engineering org who are starting their, their junior developer journey. Uh, whether it's through boot camps or self-directed learning, things of that nature. So uh, even at the company, outside of the engineering org, we're seeing that interest. And so I've, I've been able to interface with some of those individuals, and it's been really exciting to, to work with them. Cool. That is really awesome. Um, yeah, it's always funny the people that um, are really passionate about mentorship, it tends to be because they, whether they recognize it at the time or not, like had those mentorship 
incidences. Like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be super formal or structured. Like that's what you would have called them at the time. But you realize in retrospect, you were like, I wouldn't be where I was without that person. And then you're like, <laughs> I need to figure out how to package that up and give that to somebody else. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, my question to you is, based on the stuff that you've seen, the companies that you've worked at or the people that you've talked to online, you know, is mentorship something that as a web development community we're particularly good at? And, you know, if not, you know, what are some of the symptoms of that? Or like, what are some of the things that make you say that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, I think everyone's experience is going to be a little different. Um, it, it's, it's hard to paint with a broad brush. Um, I've heard certain individuals who've had great experiences and others who have had very poor experiences, right? So um, there is going to be a, a spectrum. I think in general, we still have a ways to go as a community. Um, I still think there, uh, there is um, not enough value placed on that, that mentorship relationship. I also think that we could do a lot more thinking in terms of how do we scale mentorship, right? Because one-on-one mentorship is incredibly effective and can be very powerful, but it's also a very large investment, um, not in terms of money, but in terms of time. And everyone has a very limited set of, of hours in their week. Um, so with, without removing the relational aspect of mentoring, how can we scale that a little more effectively to where we can welcome more people into the community and ensure success for more individuals while still making sure that we're not, you know, burning out or, or unable to, I mean, all of us have jobs, right? <laughs> most of us anyway, most of us have jobs that we need to do on a, on a, you know, we've got our nine to five and the mentoring that we do, I would say for a lot of us is probably out of band, right? It's outside of that nine to five work. Uh, some, some companies are a little more flexible letting you do that on work hours and things of that nature, of course. But so as we're thinking through that, how do we, how do we scale it more effectively, I think is a, a question that um, still deserves a lot of attention. Um, and uh, so I, I would say, I would say we've, we've got, we've got to start, um, but we've still got a long way to go in order to make it effective for, for everyone coming in to the community, not just people that look like current web developers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, this is honestly something that snuck up on me. Um, because for years, I just took something for granted, which is I'm just old enough that uh, when I was coming into development, I, w- I wasn't a web developer when I first came out of college. But um, when I came into development, it was just expected that everybody had to have a CS degree. So you, you were expected to hire people out of college, that was the only way to get junior engineers. And so the companies that I work for, it just made logical sense that there were going to be juniors at these companies because they, you know, you get kids out of college and then you'd train them up and they would be the next people. But I find that we talk to people now and we talk to companies that are saying things like, my software is way too important. I cannot afford to buy anything less than the top tier engineers. And then we see these um, junior engineers who are struggling for, especially coming out of boot camps for months or years in some cases trying to break through the door and it at the same time people are complaining that developers are too expensive and development is too expensive and it just seems like all of these things have one obvious solution (laughs) which is to hire juniors and mentor them up and that's like my indication that there might be a problem is that people feel like they cannot find the talent they want there's open positions everywhere but there's an entire population of people who are having an incredibly hard time getting hired um, we're probably not that far away from being exactly what the company wanted in the first place. Uh, so that, that sort of gap between supply and demand or seeming supply and demand is, is where I usually think like, oh, there is like a mentorship issue here. And I was again, baffled by it because the places I worked for, it was sort of part of the culture. And I took that for granted and then saw that that was very much not the case in some other companies that I started working for. Um, and I was, I was surprised to see that. I don't know if that, if, if that's something that you agree with too, or if that's something that you've seen. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's always the economic uh, concern, right? Companies say, well, I don't have, I don't have the time and we're talking about economics of time, not just money. I don't have the time to ramp up junior engineers to invest in their growth and, and for them to kind of come up to the organization. I need to, essentially buy someone now who can get up and, and going immediately. Um, and I'm willing to, to pay the premium for that. Um, but I, I, think that, I think that misses out on quite a few things. One, um, the, 
I think companies underestimate the economic return on investment of mentorship, the, the ability to bring someone up in the organization who has the institutional and the tribal knowledge to work well in the organization. Because that's the hardest part about stepping into a new company, right? Learning whatever product or products they're creating uh, and, and figuring out what their processes are, how to integrate with those processes, the culture and personality of your team, of your org, of your company, all of that plays a part. All of that is the dynamics of stepping into a new organization. And when you mentor, when you bring junior developers up through that process, by the time they get to mid or, or senior level, whatever, whatever it is the company's kind of looking for, they are 100% ready to go and perhaps even more bought in than an external hire because that's, that's how they've grown up, right? That's, how, that's what they've grown into. And so I've, what I've seen is junior developers that are brought up in an organization are typically much more committed. They have a, a deeper institutional knowledge and a deeper product understanding. That is, the hard part is it's, it's hard to put a price tag on that, right? What's the actual ROI of that? Uh, but I, I think it is an area that companies forget about when they're thinking of bringing up new people. On the flip side, I, I, will, I will readily admit that mentoring a new person does take time, it does take money, and it does take an investment from, your, uh, from other team members, from management into that individual. That said, I think it is an investment that is well worth it. And when engineers, when junior engineers mentor through that process and come out on the other side, I think they're, they're absolutely uh, uh, wonderful to work with and they have such a deep product and, and company understanding. Great. Yeah, I'd love to come back to this idea of benefits of mentorship, both for the mentor and the mentee, as well as the company and the community as large, because um, mm -hmm. I think that's super important. But I just thought it'd be great to just sort of here pivot into maybe defining mentorship, because people are going to have a lot of perceptions of what it is or stereotype, uh, stereotypical beliefs about what it is and what it must entail. And I think it might be valuable to kind of hear your input as well on how you think mentorship is effectively structured or just what mentorship is. So just sort of starting there, you know, I won't ask the broadest question, which is just what is mentorship, <laughs> but maybe we'll just start <laughs> with the first maybe potential misconception, which is, is mentorship always just uh, a junior level person paired with a very senior level person and they go off to a room and it's very instructive, almost like teaching, and they just kind of go off and go their own way? Or are there other ways that mentorship is structured? Yeah, absolutely. I think mentorship uh, can be structured many different ways. Mentorship is, is a rather large umbrella. And the kind of the, the senior dev and the junior dev meeting once every week, two weeks, a month, whatever, and kind of going off by themselves, walking through different problems or, or different specific questions. That is a type of mentorship. Um, very individualized, very one-on-one, -on -one, very personalized, uh, and, and, and very hierarchical, right? You have the senior and you have the junior and you have that relationship there, which is perfectly valid for plenty of individuals. Um, some people may not be in a situation as a junior developer where they have access to a senior developer like that. Um, or conversely, a, a senior developer may not be in a situation where they have um, the, the ability or the time or, what, or maybe whatever it is to meet one-on-one -on -one with a junior developer. So I think there's, there's a lot of room in there for flexibility. Um, the first thing that comes to mind with this question is uh, you do not have to be a senior level dev to mentor someone. And this is something, this is a question that uh, I get a lot and, and I, and I try to, uh, to really talk through this concept. Everyone, no matter where they're at in the process of their, their career, has something to offer the, the community, right? Um, even, even the newest junior developer has a perspective that people 10 years their senior have, have probably forgotten, have probably lost. And, and that's, that's natural, right, over time whether it be through uh, experience and, and proficiency, we, we kind of forget what it's like to enter into this arena as a new person. Similarly, someone who's 10, 15 years down the road, they have such a wealth of knowledge and experience that they can share with, with others. And, and everyone in between still has something to share, right? And so uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, this kind of touches on the benefits you were talking about of mentor-mentee relationships. I found as a mentor, 
I still gain so much from working with people who are in different areas of their journey than me. Um, there's, there's an excitement and a drive and a fire there that is contagious. They ask questions of me where I go, oh man, I've never really had to think through that. Let me go and, and uh, we'll, we'll walk through that together. And we'll we'll um, really hone our understanding of this concept. Um, so it, it's definitely bi-directional in terms of benefits. And what that, what that shows me and what that, what that proves to me is that no matter where one is in one's development journey, developer journey, career journey, however you want to put that, uh, you have something to give to other people. It's just a matter of being, being, being willing to do so. Um, and then finding the correct platform, right? Certain people are going to love one-on-one -on -one interaction that's very focused and that is, that is going to really excite them. That's going to be how they're engaged. For others, that would be entirely, uh, th that would just be the, the, the worst possible situation. That's just not how they work. Um, that doesn't fit their personality type. Uh, so with that in mind, again, I don't want us to limit what we picture mentorship being. Mentorship can be more things. It could be um, providing resources to the community uh, for you know, very specific uh, reasons. Um, one, one area of thought that I've really been spending a lot of time in recently and is this idea of um, changing our mindsets from self-taught to community-taught. And I've kind of touched on this as we've been going through, but let me, let me articulate this really quickly. Um, no matter if we, if we have a CS degree, went to a boot camp, self-directed learning, all of us to one degree or another are self-taught because none of us came out of our, our CS program or our boot camp or self-directed learning knowing everything we needed, we needed to know for our job. We have all had to learn and grow over time. That's just a part of being a developer, a software engineer. So because of that, we could stamp all of us with the label self-taught. But again, that doesn't truly reflect the, the reality, which is none of us have learned in a vacuum. All of us have relied on the resources of those around us. Some of it has been that one-on-one -on -one mentorship relationship. Some of it, it's been videos, conferences, talks, blog posts, papers, so many different uh, mediums and ways for us to engage with the community and learn from the community that I'm very much of the opinion self-taught isn't truly what we are. We are truly all community taught. And when we recognize that fact, it actually has some significance for our responsibility to be giving back to that community. And my personal belief is that our ability to give back, that ability is going to be different for different people. Right, and that depends on a lot of different things. It depends on um, economic situation. Uh, that depends on the type of job that you're in. So many different factors, uh, and there are a lot of different people in the development community. And so you have a lot of different experiences, a lot of different levels of privilege and of access. And so uh, you know, there's there's no single brush that we can paint with. Um, that said, I think wherever one is at, one can do something. Even if it's uh, you're a junior developer very early on in your process, it's sharing your experience with a coworker, or it's being open to pairing with that coworker and asking questions and being engaged. Right? Um, there is there is an active aspect to learning, and when you're active in that process, that mentorship starts to happen. Um, mm -hmm. And again, when people talk about mentorship, they typically speak in terms of kind of one-on-one -on -one communication, which is, is not incorrect, but I think there's also a wider, a wider umbrella there that includes lots of different aspects of this community. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's interesting, you touched on a couple different things there that I think are really interesting. First is, you know, I think people don't recognize who has, have been their mentors. And there are a lot of people, as you've said, who believe that they are completely self-taught and self-made it kind of goes to this idea of meritocracy that's constantly in debate in our industry. You know, did I really make myself, right? Um, and I think anybody that, that's been in the industry for any length of time, if they actually looked back at it, they would find the people who were mentors, whether officially or unofficially. And I know that I have often had managers or bosses, even ones that I didn't necessarily like working with all that much. But then years later, when I was running my own teams, I hear their voice coming out of my mouth. Or I hear the example that one of, you know, that an architect once used to shoot down one of my ideas and I'm using it to moderate 
what somebody else is, is trying to propose. And, or, you know, you realize that what seemed like just a working relationship years later, you learned a lot from it. So I think people, if they really stop to think about it, they would notice um, just how many people are influencing their coding careers. Um, Absolutely. And I, I love what you said about, uh, you know, this idea of, you know, you can't be too junior to mentor because this comes up with conference talks too, right? A lot of people feel like they can't speak at conferences um, because they're not, they didn't write a library or they're not the heroes that they follow on Twitter with 20,000 followers. And it's just like, you just don't understand that at every conference, there are always people at every stage of their web development journey. People aren't moving in lockstep with you. As you move two steps in, somebody is one step behind you and two steps behind you and then even further behind you. So every talk at every level of experience is welcome at almost every conference because there will always be an audience for that. Um, and the same people that are those titans that you know of don't wanna give that same, I don't even wanna use a pejorative here, but that 101 talk. They don't wanna do that introductory talk to the technology that, they've been give, that they gave five years ago and they gave every single year since then. They need new people to come in to give that talk with their own perspectives and their own ways of teaching it. So I love this idea that people um, should be offering whatever they have. And, the one interesting place where that happens a lot, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, is in peer mentoring. So we, I've gotten asked a lot by people, well, I don't really have anybody in my firm that um, is either, see, we're all peers, that's what they say, we're all peers, we're all roughly the same, so how do I do mentorship? And I tell them, I said, peer, peer mentoring 100% works, you don't have to have that power imbalance. I think you want to find somebody with more wisdom than you to help, to help you, but, I, but there's, it's totally valid to take two people, um, sit them down in a room and just say, hey, I was reading this article about RxJS. Just thought I would show, show you what I found. And then the second person asks questions and the first person has to try and answer those questions by learning more. And suddenly just two people bringing up a topic and talking about it, they're both significantly smarter than they were before. And that's completely peer driven. It's not because one's better, one's worse, one's senior, one's junior. It's just two curious people consciously working together to learn something. Um, so I don't know if, 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 you, if you have other ways that you help people or if you've seen this, this peer mentorship thing, because um, I think that comes up a lot. People just feel like they don't have anybody to help and nobody can help them. And they just feel like that just means they're stuck. Yeah, that's a great point. And you, know, that you, you talked about that kind of power dynamic in the relationship, but we can think through, you know, I, th I think the reason um, junior developers look for that senior developer is, you know, if we think in terms of like Venn diagrams, right? The junior developer knows a, a smaller circle and the senior developer knows this big circle. But to your point, uh, what we, I think we forget is that in terms of peers, uh, our Venn, you know, my Venn diagram of what I know or my, my circle uh, is not going to fully overlap with your circle. So, you, so if you and I were to sit down and talk about, you know, whatever topic it may be, I'm going to be able to learn so much from you and you're going to be able to learn so much from me because our circles, don't 100% overlap. And anytime that's the case, anytime there isn't 100% overlap, which to be honest is every time I've sat down with someone, um, there is something to be learned. And both of us grow in that scenario, like you said. Um, uh, something that we're actually doing right now at SalesLoft, uh, we have a, a group of our UI engineers who want to get more proficient with full stack development. And so we, as a group of peers, uh, one of the, the, the languages that we use on the back end is Elixir. And so uh, we, as a, a small group of UI engineers, are actually kind of working together to teach ourselves Elixir. We have a lot of uh, developers at SalesLoft that are very proficient in Elixir. And, and we're relying on them to kind of help us, uh, point us in the right direction for things, but we're kind of doing it together and we're pushing ourselves and I think that's, uh, that's speaking directly to this. Now, this is more, uh, I think there's five or six of us, so it's not necessarily one-on-one, -on -one, but I think it doves, dovetails very nicely uh, with this sort of scenario where it doesn't necessarily take an expert and a non-expert in an area to grow. Um, even two, three, four, five, six individuals who are really committed to, hey, I want to dig into things more. Um, when you do that in the context of more than just yourself, your, your growing happens faster. Um, and I, I think part of that too is where we as humans are so reticent to, to share our failures kind of 
publicly, um, but we're much more comfortable sharing our failures individually. And when people, you know, I've had, I've had individuals come to me and they're like, hey, I'm, I'm running into like this problem with this question and I can go, oh yeah, I've, I've failed at that before. Let me share with you my experience. Um, our, our CEO at Salesloft likes to say, uh, I'm going to butcher the quote, but something along the lines of, um, uh, none of us learn as fast as all of us and we learn through failure. So we are encouraged in the engineering org when we make a mistake, like when we ship a bug to production that affects a large number of our users and we have to do a revert and things like email that out to the entire team. It's not a, it's not a question of shame or, or I wasn't doing my job. We all know we're trying to do our best. Uh, but when we make mistakes, we learn from them. And if we share them with the organization, the entire organization grows and learns faster. Similarly, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or, or in small groups, being able to share, here's what I've experienced, here's what I've learned, typically through making mistakes, um, all of us accelerate in our learning. Yeah, what a great point. I mean, it's, it's funny because I hadn't thought, again, I hadn't thought about it until you just were talking, that mentorship really needs to be predicated. And honestly, I, I had been feeling this feeling and I hadn't been able to put words to it, but again, you just helped me out with it, which is um, to, to have successful mentorship. And, and so times when I've tried to bring it onto teams, when I felt resistance or, or a lack of success bringing mentorship onto the teams, I wondered why it was. And I think part of it is, is you need to have as a prerequisite to successful mentorship, a culture that fails together. <laughs> um, when you individualize both success and failure, you are then incentivizing people to politicize everything that they do, to obscure their, their, their difficulties and to over-amplify their successes or take credit for things that they didn't necessarily deserve credit for. And I think that comes up when you see code reviews. If, if you, you know, make comments on a code review, people if people get super defensive or they feel apologetic or they feel bad i think that's an indication that maybe the culture isn't aligned properly because that's not the point any corrections on a code review uh sometimes it's the code reviewer that's wrong <laughs> um you know things like that and similarly yeah like if a bug happens it's not shame the developer that broke the build it's what's the lesson here to learn like what is how would we have prevented this because all of us doing our best didn't prevent it. So as a team, how do we prevent it? And it's hard, like even if you feel that way to make people feel that way, that's actually a really interesting thing. I don't know, do you have any experience or any tips on how to foster an environment where people feel comfortable being vulnerable or that it truly is the case that someone's not gonna lose that promotion because they broke the build that one time or something like that? Yeah, that's hard. It, the, the hard thing about that is it typically takes more um, in terms of, of culture or, or you have to set the tone bigger than just the individual level. Uh, that typically has to be set um, at, le at least at the team level, ideally at the organization level. Um, so so th I think there's, there's two things at play here. One, uh, we as humans won't share if we don't, if we're not in a safe space. And it's, that's a loaded term. I'll use a different term. Um, if we don't feel we can trust the person sitting across the table from us, we're not going to share our failure, right? So it takes trust, A. And then the, the, the second aspect of that, B, it takes uh, removing our ego from the, from the situation. Both of those are difficult. Um, one, uh, the, the trust, I think, is more external. The ego is more internal. So we can, we can talk about both. Um, I'll, start, I'll start with the ego first. Uh, we have to realize that we are not the best developer in the world. We are, we are constant learners. As a, as a software engineer, there will never come a day where I won't be able to learn something or I shouldn't be able to learn something, right? Uh, we, are, we are in an industry where um, we're constantly coming up against different problems. Even if I was in the same problem domain space for 20 years, right? I, I've got great pattern recognition and great pattern matching across the different uh, problems I'm going to face. Uh, but there's still things, even, even if it's more people oriented at that point, there's still new challenges that are going to arise. And I need to personally be able to check myself and say, all right, I want to make sure my ego doesn't get in the way. As, as a junior person, I need to have um, the ability to, to hear what others are going to say. In a peer relationship, I need to be okay learning from someone who I consider to be a peer. 
And as a senior person, you need to be okay learning from someone who's not up here, right? So it, it, it all comes down to uh, humility, kind of this intrinsic humility. And that's the internal aspect. There's an external aspect that comes with trust. And that has to be developed via relationships. It's, you can't drop someone into a team and say, all right, now trust each other, right? That really has to be fostered. And, and especially for cultures that don't already have that, that's going to be a really strong, like turning of the ship, right? You're going to have to pull on that wheel really hard um, to, to make that turn. Is it possible? Absolutely. Uh, but it's going to take some, some investment, uh, probably more like emotional and time investment than money, right? It's, it's going to be, all right, how do we really start building trust on the team? How do we make sure that uh, when we are having code reviews, when, you know, I'm speaking specifically perhaps about a team that hasn't had trust and is wanting to move in that direction. Uh, let's say code reviews are a place where things get snippy or, or egos get, get bruised, things like that. Um, you know, working through, all right, how do we do pull requests and how do we do code reviews and how do we uh, communicate well with each other? Um, the, 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 the simple, I say simple, that doesn't necessarily mean easy, but the simple idea of um, assuming that someone has their, your best interest in mind is a big part of that trust. People are going to make mistakes. People are going to mess up. And if we assume that they're out to get us, we'll see that as a personal attack. If we assume that they're doing their best and they're really trying to support the team, we can go, you made a mistake. All right, let's, let's figure out how to learn from that and we'll keep on going as a team, right? So there's some very underlying aspects that I'm not gonna lie, are very difficult to get right and take some time to, to lay that foundation if it's not already there. Um, but they're critical to the success of a team, to, to a success of an organization long-term, um, I feel. Having that, that trust amongst your peers and then being able to check that ego, having the humility to step into situations, be able to learn um, and be able to assume that others have the best interests of the team at heart. For sure. I mean, one thing that I've always advocated for on code reviews is uh, if you're the reviewer, I feel like your, your, your starting point needs to be you're reading it wrong. You don't understand. And when you assume that you're always the person that's wrong, that means that every time you see something you disagree with, it's probably because you don't understand it. That's such a powerful starting place to come from because all those statements that were like, I think this is awkward, become questions. Can you explain why you did this instead of maybe this other approach, the thing that you would have wanted to do? It changes so much about the tone and tenor of, of code reviews um, if you just always assume you're wrong. And if other people know that they're, you're also assuming that, it, it does diffuse a lot of that. And um, I only know that for code reviews. I'm sure there's a million other ways that you can do that in your everyday, all your interactions to save that on a team. But um, that, that's one such way. Yeah, I had a, I had a CTO a um, few companies ago. It was a very small company. And uh, obviously, he couldn't be involved with every, you know, every bit of code that was run through, even though it was only for developers. And so his biggest way to explore code was on a pull request he would just ask questions it wasn't a um it, it wasn't i think you should do this differently it was why did you do this this way and it was and we knew it was genuine interest from him it wasn't this passive aggressive i think it should be done differently so i'm going to ask the question in such a way that makes you assume you need to change it it was genuinely hey let me understand your thought process here and when we could articulate that 99 times out of 100 he was like cool Great. I'm glad you thought through it. Uh, I just wanted to, to know what the thought process was. And again, he's, he's a person that had a lot of experience. He, sometimes he would say, uh, I get that. Uh, think through these things. And you're going, ah, perfect. I hadn't thought in, in those terms. And so uh, that, again, there was a genuineness there. There was a trust that I knew that he was, uh, he wasn't being passive aggressive. He was genuinely interested in the team succeeding. Um, and when we had that base, him asking questions really drew out of us all right, what's our thought process? How can we improve this? And even just him asking that sometimes we would go, you know, I don't know why I did that that way. Let me see if I can improve it a little bit, right? So it, it, it raises uh, the communication, I think, across the entire team. Cool. So, you know, when people think about mentorship and they think about these mentorship sessions, one of the first things that they, of course, think of is that these mentorship sessions are just focused on tech. You just go into a room and you're talking about React or you go into a room and you're talking about RxJS, like I said before. Um, 
But in my opinion, <laughs> there's a lot of other topics that should come up in mentorship sessions, uh, either one-on-one -on -one or group or what have you. Um, but I'll open it up to you first. You know, what are some of the things that you think people should be talking about? Um, non, well, they, they can be still technical, but like other than just talking about libraries and code and implementation, what are some of the other things that people should be looking to incorporate into their mentorship relationships um, that they might not be right now? One of the, it, it's being talked about more so now, but it, it wasn't talked about for decades even. Uh, but the most important resource uh, and the most important skill I think that we as developers can hone is how to interact with our teammates, right? Languages, libraries, paradigms, those can all be taught, right? Someone can sit me down and teach me how to write Haskell, even if I know no functional programming, like given enough time, I can learn Haskell. I think given enough time, most people can learn just about any paradigm, no matter how difficult. Being able to learn, all right, remove my ego from the situation, remain humble. Being able to learn, oh, I, I need to extend trust. And I need to be a person of that is trustworthy to my teammates. That is infinitely more valuable and I think much more difficult to internalize. And so I think those conversations are, are incredibly valuable in, the, in that mentorship relationship thing. And, and, and it's not, uh, you know, it can be about conflict resolution. Hey, I'm, what if I have a problem with a coworker? How do I handle that? Or, uh, you know, Questions around hiring are, are a common one. What, uh, how do I need to prepare for that? And that's still kind of soft skill oriented because what I found, especially uh, around Atlanta with some of the, the smaller companies, the, the startups in the tech space, is uh, they, they pay attention to the kind of person they bring in the door, not just skills, but also kind of personality, ability to communicate well, ability to work well on a team, to collaborate. Collaboration is becoming a more important thing. So in that, men, in that mentorship session, talking through how do we collaborate well? Um, how do we go through a pull request? Uh, what is it like to receive feedback? What is it like to give feedback? Because uh, all, all of us perceive those things differently. And so being able to kind of walk through that with a mentor uh, in, a, in an environment that's very low pressure, where they can just ask questions and say, hey, here's, here's what I'm experiencing. Uh, what do I do with this? Um, are, are, are incredibly valuable. Uh, the, the library discussions and the, the language discussions, I've absolutely had when I'm working with a mentee, but that is, uh, that is just a small slice of what we discuss. And what I've found is those are typically launching points. We talk for 10 minutes because they had an issue or they had a question about a library, and then they go and continue that, pursue that uh, at a different time. And the rest of the time we're talking about kind of these communication, collaboration, trust, humility, those sorts of topics. Yeah, that's great. I, you almost everything that I had for sure on my, my list. I think, I think uh, one of the ones that you kind of talked on is, yeah, use mentoring to not only shore up the fact that a lot of CS programs still, and some boot camps as well, and people that have a completely non-traditional path that did neither of those two things, will have gaps in their understanding of software development processes. So synchronizing, bringing people up to speed, and teaching them what your organization believes about what makes good requirements, what makes good tests, you know, what to do when you get a ticket. It's so funny, the conversations I have with people when I say, what's the first thing you do when you get a defect? With the first thing, when after you've read it, what's the first thing you do? And the answers are wildly different. You can make an entire mentoring session out of thinking about the different things one could and should do when they've read a ticket and how they work the ticket and how they finish the ticket. And at no point are you talking about, well, this is how you do a do well loop. And this is, how, you know, it never touches on the, the purely technical. It, it, it's all about getting people to think and be able to answer the questions that you were talking about your manager had when, when someone jumps in and asks, what's your thought process, pulling someone who's junior out of the immediacy of how do I accomplish a goal and into the more cerebral, why am I doing this? Now, again, you do it more as they rise up in their career, but just showing them that there's that higher space for them to eventually evolve, like evolve, eventually learn into is, is powerful. I think uh, is definitely something people should be doing. Um, the last piece that I had is something um, I like to use the call out to the Radical Candor book. It's a book by Kim Scott. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it's just this idea that so many mentor-mentee relationships fall into this idea that the mentor is there to uh, protect 
and to like protect the ego of the mentee. Like they're there to be like, no, you're doing no wrong. Everything you're doing is great. People just don't understand you. You're the best developer in the world. And you think that's helpful, but it's actually ruinous to people <laughs> because you give them all this positive feedback, then they go out to the world and the world gives them completely different signals. And they worry that like, what is, what is different here? Why, why am I getting different readouts here? So I think part of any, um, I mean, here again, this is a more senior to junior thing. This is harder to do with peers, but you need to create, again, that space, that safe space where people can be vulnerable and you can give feedback without them getting defensive. That is also really hard to do. That takes time to build up trust. But I think every mentorship relationship, successful one, will need it at some point because people will think they are amazing and everybody else is wronging them. And if you can come in and help them see a different perspective, help them see how they could grow to help alleviate some of the things that they're seeing. So powerful. Um, it helps people really understand who they really are and what they could be. Um, if you can deliver bad feedback well, then they will trust the good feedback you give them <laughs> as well, because they know you wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. I think both of those things are incredibly powerful. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. The, uh, a mentor who doesn't prepare his or her mentee for the real world isn't doing isn't really fulfilling their job. Um, we we should be preparing developers for reality, and reality is we have successes and we have failures, and through all of it, we need to constantly be moving forward. So, how do we prepare for those? How do we um, how do we handle that again in the context of a team? Um, you know, the uh, in in terms of of or I, I've heard the saying that uh, much of our pain in life is due to uh, mis, uh, mismatched expectations. And, and that just, I, I kind of uh, let that bounce around in my head every once in a while and it keeps popping up. And, and that is immediately popped in my head when you were talking about the mentor who kind of uh, unrealistically builds up the mentee by just saying, you're doing great and, and you're not doing anything wrong and, and everything's perfect. That's, that is unrealistic, of course. Um, that's not helping to instill humility and a lack of ego in them and preparing them. And it's setting that expectation up in a way that is going to completely mismatch with reality. Uh, that's such a detrimental way to mentor. I mean, like you said, I think you used the term ruinous. Absolutely. Uh, we, want to, um, we want to prepare our mentees well. Uh, again, as you said, we want to do that in a way that does um, increase their confidence in a way that does um, allow them to be vulnerable and, and gives them a safe space to ask questions and to make mistakes. Um, this is something that, that I've been thinking on a lot lately. We as adults, we, we just hate making mistakes. And as children, we don't really care about making mistakes too much, right? All, all things being equal, certain scenarios maybe maybe differently, but on the whole, especially the little kids, they don't care about making mistakes. A toddler that's learning to walk, they stand up and they toddle and they kind of fall over and they don't care that they fell over. They just try to get back up and keep on going. Uh, that ability to not care about the mistakes that we're making is what allows us to grow so quickly, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally as children. And when we lose that as adults, honestly, I think that's where we lose a lot of our ability to learn is because we refuse to fail. And when we refuse to fail, we can't learn those lessons that cause us to grow so much in the beginning, right? So as mentors, we need to, we need to kind of clear away that space for our mentees to fail. And we as individuals, I think, need to take to heart that we need to be more, more comfortable with failure if we truly want to grow. Great. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so... You know, I, I promise we'd get back to the benefits of mentorship. Again, we've talked about the benefits extensively for the mentors and the mentees. Um, but I know I've talked to a lot of people that just said, you know, my company won't let us do this. They, they, they just don't think it's important. They don't think it gives value. Um, they don't want us to waste our time. Um, you know, so I thought it'd be interesting for us to sort of uh, wrap up things by sort of talking about some of the benefits of mentorship to companies, to our broader community, why is this important, not just for us as individuals, but just as, you know, as a web development community, you know, why is mentorship important? What would you, how would you answer that question? Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very real question. One thing that I think companies don't, or the companies forget is how much they've invested in their developers, right? Most companies develop or invest a lot of money 
into their developers. And so what the, the conclusion they then draw is I need this developer spending every second developing for me. Um, but what that, what that doesn't really track with is this idea of investment, right? The, the whole idea of investing in the financial space is we want to grow our investment over time, right? We, we're not going to do something with it today. We're going to invest it to do something with it in a year. And people are the exact same way. We can be working right now and not learn anything. And in a year from now, we will do the exact same thing we're doing right now and nothing more. Or we can mostly do what we're doing right now and spend a small percentage of our time continuously improving. And that brings about compound interest in terms of our growth. And mentorship is one of those areas where, uh, yes, it is an hour every two weeks or an hour every month or however that cadence looks like. But the, the benefit to both the mentor and the mentee over time in terms of what they can accomplish, how fast they grow, that is going to be a, 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 some compound interest over time. And I, I just don't think companies are thinking in those terms. It's, uh, it's okay, I've paid you X number of dollars for X number of hours, and I need X uh, amount of development from you. In term, instead of I'm investing my money in you to, yes, produce output and, and, and contribute value to my customers, uh, the people that keep the doors open, right? <laughs> the one that keeps the lights on, keep the lights on. Um, so we want to be delivering value to our customers. But if, if we're develop, delivering the same value in a year from now that we're delivering today, we as an investment are actually, we, we're not actually an investment for our organization, right? Um, we were just a, a cost. Uh, and so if, if organizations can start thinking of their developers truly as investments, uh, spending time on their growth and on their professional development means that that investment is going to pay dividends for them over time. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. And, uh, you know, I'll take the, the position of pitching sort of one thing that we really think is important, which is that, um, you know, when you compare the, the diversity of the different tracks of talent coming into our industry. Um, if you look at the, the pool of available senior and mid-level engineers, and you compare that to the pool of CS program graduates, and then you compare that to the pool of boot camp graduates, or the people that are you know, commonly called self-taught, right? That aren't coming through a formal program, you see that there is a lot of a lot more diversity, not not good enough, but a lot more diversity in those boot camps, in those self-taught ranks, in the junior developer ranks, there is a lot of diversity. So if your program, if your organization has a successful mentorship culture, you're going to be able to actually naturally draw on this more diverse pool of talent, uh, talent pool and, and help to actually change some of the things that we see as far as representation in our industry. So I just think mentorship is 100% the key to a lot of this. It's not the only key, but it is, it is definitely important. So if you are not mentoring, if you're not supporting your junior engineers, then you are just shutting the door on tremendous amounts of really competent, diverse talent. And the amount of companies that we've spoken to that have said simultaneously, I don't want junior engineers and I can't find diverse talent is baffling. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, you're, you're, look, you're not looking in the one place you need to look to, 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 to pull in a bunch of that. Again, that's not to say there isn't diverse talent at different ranks. It's just by proportion, supporting juniors will help uh, change some of the, the, the representation that we see. And I don't know if you, if you, if you uh, agree, you see the same things or if you have anything that you wanted to, to add to that as well. No, I, I, yeah, I've seen, I've seen the same thing. It's, you're right. It's very counterintuitive. Um, oxymoronic, one might even say of, I want a, a, a more diverse and inclusive workplace, but I refuse to uh, look at the pools with the most diverse and inclusive uh, populations, right? That, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and I know, I know Tracy's done a lot of speaking, a lot of keynotes, uh, making the economic argument that a more diverse and a more inclusive workplace actually delivers more value to customers. Like it's, there are studies that show this. And so by keeping entirely uh, homogenous workplaces, we are not, we are doing a disservice to our customers. So to your point, if we're truly going to be committed to uh, diversity and inclusion in the workplace, we need to 
look at the, the, the pools and the populations that are diverse. And, and like you said, mentorship is such a great way to bring up uh, junior developers that are, that are uh, uh, from those different populations. Well, awesome. So, you know, that sounds like it'll be a good place for us to stop for today. Of course, mentorship is such a broad topic. Again, we probably could have gone for another couple hours on all sorts of different topics. Um, but that's one of the fun things about this podcast is the conversation doesn't have to stop here. So thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, for this Modern Web podcast on mentorship. Thank you to our guest, Ray. Um, as I just mentioned, the uh, conversation does not have to stop here. So if you have questions for Ray uh, about mentorship, about anything along those lines, uh, feel free to reach out to him. You can find him on Twitter at Ray Geshwaldo, which is uh, R-A-Y-G-E-S-U-A-L-D-O. Um, and if you want to talk to me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Robocell. It's R-O-B-O-C-E-L-L. -L. And if you want to find us uh, here at the podcast online, you can find us at modern.web.com. That's modern.web.com. Or on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. So thank you, everybody, for joining us, and thank you, Ray. Have a good day. This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Yeah, queries do, so come on, let's go, cause we gotta show.